insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm good, Scott. How are you? I'm doing as well as I can do. Bradley, we're over here just bailing water out of the boat as fast as we can bail it, brother. The up at dawn, pride swallowing siege. Up you at like dawn, to say? pride swallowing siege. Folks, about to make a big announcement here. Got a lot to talk about. But before we get to today is a big, big episode in the world of the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, you need to hold on to your seat. Because there's going to be some times today you're going to want to turn up the volume and go back and listen again. Scott's going to get on his soapbox today, Bradley. Uh-oh. As I say sometimes, when I've had all I can take, it's just all I can take. Yep. That's where I'm at today. But before we get started, we don't have a guest today, and that is a good thing. And I'm about to tell you why. I'm about to tell everybody why. So, Bradley and I, on April the 4th, 2018... Remember that date, ladies and gentlemen, April the 4th, 2018, we started our road to independence. And the way we started that road to independence is he and I got on a flight and we flew up to Stafford Springs, Connecticut for a meeting with Mr. Chris Paradiso. Now we covered a lot of ground since April 4th, 2018, but the very, the very first day we got to his offices, we had the opportunity to meet his father. It was a blessing. Blessing in my life, blessing in your life. You know, there's folks that come along in your life, ladies and gentlemen. You need to hang on to them because they're a blessing. And last week, Chris's father, Mr. Joseph Paradiso, passed away at the age of 87 years old. Now, last time I checked... And I need to go back and make sure that I completely, fully understand this. This is my podcast, and this is Bradley's podcast. So we can do whatever the hell we want. That's right. Instead of introducing a guest today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do something very different today, but kind of the same. I want to do a celebration of life for Mr. Joseph Paradiso. And after I'm finished, I'll explain exactly why I'm doing this. But without further ado, I want to give him the introduction that he deserved throughout his life. So today I'd like to take a moment to honor and celebrate the life of Mr. Joseph Paradiso. He was born, raised, and lived in Stafford Springs, Connecticut. He was married and preceded in death by the late Donna Paradiso. He received his Bachelor of Science from the College of Holy Cross in 1956 and his Juris Doctorate from Georgetown University in 1959. He served his country in the United States Army, and after his discharge, he began his legal career as a state prosecutor for 37 years at the Rockville Superior Court and also had his own private practice. Paradiso 
and Muska Attorneys at Law. He was a parishioner at St. Edward's Church and member of the Knights of Columbus Council, number 1395. He was also a member of the Italian Benefit Society and Stafford Rotary Club, as well as serving on the Board of Education for Stafford Public Schools. He was a lifelong advocate for people with disabilities and a co-founder of Journey Fund, an organization whose mission is to provide behavioral, residential, and other support services to people with disabilities. He enjoyed his days of playing cards at the Arizona, attending his grandkids' sporting events, and was his happiest spending time in Watch Hill, Rhode Island with his family and friends. And ladies and gentlemen, the man loved, loved a good ice cream cone and a churro. Let me tell you why that's what's strange about that. My granddaddy was the same way. That man loved a damn ice cream cone more than anybody I've ever seen in my life, except for maybe Joseph Paradiso. He was a true gentleman, gracious, thoughtful, caring. He was the best of us. On behalf of Bradley Flowers and myself and all, all of the podcast listeners today, we would like to send Chris, Rachel, and the rest of the Paradiso family our deepest sympathy and condolences for those of us that had an opportunity to spend time with Joe. We are better human beings for it. And that's all I have to say about that. That was beautiful. It's interesting to have someone who probably never sold an insurance policy have such an impact on the insurance industry through, through obviously Chris and multiple agents have reached out to me in the last few days. Like, Hey, he gave me this advice. I'm like, Chris, no, Joseph. Right. So there are people you meet in your life. And as soon as you meet them, you're like, that's a good dude right there. That's yep. a good dude. That's a guy I'd leave my kids with all day long. Yep. He was one of those people. He had a lot of wisdom. He, he got it. You know, years ago, Bradley, a couple of years ago, you did this thing and it was kind of a hit. It was you asking insurance agents, what is the definition of success to you? You remember this? You had like, you did a video. There was eight, nine, 10, 12 agents that listed their uh-huh. definition of success. I'd say Joseph Paradiso had it figured out. I think so. Yeah. Family always did the right thing. Tried mm-hmm. to do his best by his family and friends. You know, uh, Billy Wagner always says you can judge a man's life by the resume of success that he leaves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk kind of says something like that. He talks about everything he does is, to, you know, he wants to see how many people will show up at his funeral. Mm-hmm. This man will leave a hole, and he he is going to be sorely missed by by everyone up in that area. And there's going to be a whole lot of insurance people show up. Mm-hmm. Chris texted me the other day and said he didn't quit because he was tired. He quit because he was done. That's right. I couldn't say it any better than that. I, I could see myself doing that a little later on. I'm not I'm not quite ready to check out yet, but I I could see myself getting there. You know, once I get up to whenever that is. So, again. To Chris and his family, our heartfelt condolences to them. Bradley, I got a lot of news to report today. Yeah, let's get to it. Get to the getting. 
Now, I know the people that are our dedicated podcast listeners probably have some questions related to some things we've talked about on this podcast the last four or five months. So I'm going to give some updates today because, well, I think they're probably deserved, and and I, I want other people not to make the same mistakes that we make over here every week so that they can be a better agency and probably already are a better agency than we are. Sure. So the first the first update I want to give is on the Amy fraud situation. You can go back and listen to that podcast months ago now. I guess it was back in uh, late March. Can't remember the episode. Called the district attorney's office yesterday to get an update. Hadn't heard anything in months. Their response to me is, Scott, we don't need anything from you right now. We have a backlog of cases from 2020 during the COVID epidemic mm. that we're trying to work through. And it's probably going to be somewhere between two to three, maybe six months before a grand jury meets to indict her. And, you know, after that, we'll probably be reaching out to you. But this is just going to take some time because the court system in the United States of America is so backlogged from the COVID epidemic that apparently that, that really threw a kink in their stuff. Right. Yeah. Do you think she'll get time? I don't know. I will say that the investigator that worked the case told me on the phone months ago, he said, I I would be beyond shocked if this saw a courtroom. So that would tell me that she's probably going to plead guilty. And then what happens after that? I have no idea. I guess it'll be left up to a judge. Yeah. The only reason I say that, I mean, obviously it warrants jail time. The fact that compounded by all the COVID stuff, the jails are just completely overcrowded and correct. And kind of what I gather is they're right now, at least in my area, they're really only trying to put violent folks behind bars. Right. But hopefully, so, hopefully she keeps her job at the sandwich shop until that happens. So that leads me to my next Amy update oh, that everybody needs to know about. Another. So after this happened, we had so much to go back and fix invoices to recreate, make sure that everybody's payments were paid. I can only imagine. It it was about a month after this happened that I actually filed a claim on my business insurance policy. And before I filed it, I looked at the I actually read the entire policy because I wanted to see kind of what was, what I was looking at here. Right. And lo and behold, I'd had that policy since 2010. I'm sorry, maybe 2020. Yeah. 2010, I think is when I started that policy. Uh, there was a hundred thousand dollars in employee dishonesty on that policy. Now I will say this, that claim that we started a month later, we got resolution to that claim yesterday. What was yesterday? August 10th, 11th, something like that. I, I have no idea. Somewhere in that range. So here's the good news. We are getting a check this week for $72,000 and some change. That's good. That check will, will bring us whole again relative to the money that Amy stole. Because remember, the bank paid us back 60 days, which equaled about $35,000, give or take, Mm -hmm. 
they, they just put that money back in our account. It's, it's called a, a provisional credit is what it's called, right? Right. This 72 plus that 35 gets us back whole with the dollar amount that she stole, which was 104000 and some change. So, so we're, we're going to be back straight. Here's the not-so-good news. In addition to that, I filed nearly $50,000 in additional charges and loss of income, uh, business interruption coverage. Yeah. None of that was paid. None of that was paid. What so was the reasoning? For don't know yet because I asked the adjuster to call to discuss that with yeah. me to find out, and she has not called me yet. Because when you consider pulling all of your resources together Correct. to do that, I mean, yes, not so to mention the, the mental strain on everybody. And Right. We had a 40% loss of revenue, uh, new business revenue. We went back over a three-year period and calculated basically what we would have made during those two or three months that we were working on this to determine what our loss of revenue was. Mm -hmm. Then we had the three people that worked somewhere in excess of 80 hours on this. And then we had about $3,500 in forensics accounting consulting, consulting services that we paid. Mm. None of that got paid. So are we back to whole with the Amy situation? Kind of. So that's our first update. I wanted to get everybody updated on that. Second update. E&O claim. Told y'all we were going to have to file an E&O claim. Uh, the first thing you have to do when you file an E&O claim is you have to get a denial from the carrier that the policy was with. Okay. So last Friday, we filed that, that claim with the carrier. We knew it was going to be denied. As soon as I filed it with the carrier, I called the client to tell him, Here, here's what's happening. Here's what we're doing. Here's where this is going to go. This is not going to get paid. And, and, I'm, and I'm genuinely curious. Did you shoot him real straight or did you sugarcoat it a little bit? How did you explain that to the customer? Right down the fairway. We're human beings. We made a mistake. Been doing this 15 years. This and one more will be two E&O claims I've ever filed. You're going to get to be the first. Here's what, what how did he take that? Here's what happened. Here's what's got to get done first. You're going to get a denial letter from the carrier. Don't get upset. I'm telling you about it right now. Yeah. It's going to happen pretty quick. All that stuff I, I, I did because I knew if I let that sit and didn't, didn't mm -hmm. contact him and, and hit it right down the middle of the fairway with him, it was going to be a problem. And he was going to be in an attorney's office. Yeah, immediately. Immediately. Right. Maybe no matter what. Yeah, how, maybe. how did he receive that? Uh, he was calm. He was doing a lot of listening. There was one thing, though, that struck me that I found to be very odd. When I got off the phone with him, I had Clint on the call with me. At, well, I talked to him by myself for about 15 minutes. Then I got Clint on the call because he had some questions. First question he had that I didn't know how to answer and this was not odd, but I, I, I had to get Clint on the phone to, to kind of help me with this. He said, okay, policy's canceled. We're going to have to file it on your professional liability. So how do we get the one property that partially burned reinsured? 
Mm. Not an active policy on it right now. Mm. He says he's still got one or two tenants still living in the building. They did not shut the power off to the whole building, just to the unit that burned. And it did burn. I mean, it is a, it is a crispy burn <laughs> unit, right? Yeah. The adjuster that worked the claim, I called him Monday morning because I knew he was probably confused and like, what in the hell? There's no, there's, there's no active policy here. I called and talked to him. One of the nicest adjusters I've ever spoken to. That's this a blessing. Guy, yeah. This guy has been working large loss claims for 10 years. And I asked him, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, you've been working large loss. I said, you've seen the pictures of the unit. How big is this claim going to be? And he said, well, I've been doing this a long time. So I can just about tell you exactly how much it's going to be. It's going to be about $250,000. Mm. So I have been periodically keeping the client updated throughout the week. I will say when we filed the claim with Hiscox formally on Monday, because that's when we formally filed it. Now, we sent them an email Friday with a possible loss, E&O loss. You know, it was just a notice of loss because my rep, shout out to Wesley Spencer, who I talked to Thursday afternoon, said, Scott, do not let this rock on much longer without reporting this to the E&O carrier. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, because you'll you'll get into a situation where like hey we didn't re- you didn't report it so well he, pay it. he he said he had an agent and he didn't he didn't give me a time frame but he said I had an agent I think he said last year that uh, had a potential E and O claim and let it rock on for two months and it ended up getting denied which is not they, a ridiculously long time no it's not it's not yeah so uh update on that i will say as soon as i turn that claim in i think i turned it in at like 10 11 o'clock that morning mm-hmm. i actually called hiscox and and filed it on the phone within three hours i got reached out to by the adjuster yeah i've now, had two buddies that both had you know claims with hiscox and not including you and both of them said they they were pretty on the up and up yeah yeah i mean there's a few few holes in their policy but in, in regards to claims they they were great straightforward claims so here's the strange question this property owner asked me after the call because i know everybody's like wait a minute you were going to say something about a strange question yeah i hang up the phone with him he calls me right back and he says now bradley you tell me if this isn't a little odd okay he says Hey, I got a question for you. When Clint gets this new policy set up for this uh, property that's not insured right now, he said, uh, what are we going to do about the cost differential between what I was paying with the previous carrier and what I'm going to be paying with this new policy uh, now that I have a fire claim? And I was like, huh? What are you talking about? I hadn't even thought about it. You know, I'm just thinking yeah. about, I got to get this claim covered. Right. right. We screwed up and I want to be honest with the guy and tell him what happened. And he calls back with that question. And I thought, uh, that's a little odd. There's more important things to be worried about right now. That's kind of where I'm going with this. It's almost like he wanted, I mean, he it's going to be more expensive because he had a fire 
Correct. Maybe not initially, but eventually it will be. Sure. But first, you're going to have to find a carrier that's willing to take somebody with an open claim with damage. Correct. Which is going to be more expensive, more than likely. And then once it's settled, it's maybe at renewal will be more expensive because he has a fire. I'm guessing it's not his first claim either. It's almost like he wanted you to pay for you or your E&O company to pay for the difference. That's what he said. He said, which I would have said you had a fire regardless. This has nothing to do with the E&O claim. It would have happened. This that's neither here nor there. It's going to happen regardless. Bradley, it's even more bizarre than that. I had just got through telling him on the first call we had that his previous policy that had canceled would have renewed on September the 27th. Yeah. So he was going to catch because there's no way they don't increase the policy premium because this this loss would have showed up by the renewal. I see what he's saying, too. He's saying that I shouldn't have to pay for the full year because I would have paid for it, which is such a such an insured way to look at things. Exactly. Like, That's what I was thinking. Did, but you didn't pay for premium on this time. I'm like, you're, Correct. You, know, you got to love real estate investors. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. That's well, that brings me to, that brings me to my next point today, Bradley. And here I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a second. I wake up at 5 a.m. this morning. Oh, I know what you're about to say. And I I open up Twitter. I've got to where I do look at Twitter every now and then. You should never look at Twitter at 5 a.m. That's a good way to ruin your day. Dude. So here it comes, guys. I'm about to get on my soapbox. Here's I was going to bring this up if you didn't bring it up. Here's the tweet that comes across my Twitter feed at 5 a.m. this morning. I'm not going to mention any names. This guy's a real estate investor slash developer on Twitter. Don't know him. Don't know him from Adam's house cat. Insurance is the biggest scam on the planet. That's a good way to start. We have dutifully paid our massive, massively inflated premiums on time every month. But when we have a small $100,000 claim, they do everything in their power to ignore delay and deny would you like for me to tell everybody my response to that because it pissed me off so much you took so there was several several insurance agents that we all know commenting on this correct but out of everyone uh aaron gordon commented uh commercial insurance guy commented pat west commented scott took him to school i went ahead (laughs) i went ahead and shut the corn down and got it got the hay down where the goats could get it so here's my response to his, uh, in fact, I retweeted it. Mm-hmm. I retweeted it and I said, hmm, I can't decide if the 1.6 million we paid out for the two-year-old drowning in the apartment pool, the 1 million discrimination lawsuit that we just had called in last week, the $600,000 builder's risk fire on an apartment that was three quarters completed, or the $250,000 fourplex fire that we just filed this week is the biggest scam. <laughs> so, folks, let me, allow me to get on my soapbox for just a moment. First and foremost, while everybody else wants to run their damn mouth about what they think they're going to do, guess who's the one keeping all this shit running all the damn time? insurance dumbasses insurance uh, allow me to allow me to elaborate let me give everybody some context this is from the, the governor of freaking louisiana last week august 29th 2021 hurricane ida data everybody remember the hurricane that hit louisiana last year this is from commissioner jim dolan 
policyholders filed 460,709 claims as of June the 30th, 2022. 299,440 of those claims, or 65%, are closed with payment, which equals $9.8 billion in payments. Insurers, carriers have now paid or reserved to pay $13.1 billion to rebuild Louisiana. But but insurance is a scam, right? It's a total scam. Total just scam. a total, just a total. Hey, you may tell you what a total scam is. Hey, let me tell everybody on the podcast right now what a total scam is. You're an apartment investor and you've got roofs on all 25 of your buildings that are 30 years old. And you know they need to be replaced because they're 30 years old. But, oh, guess what? You're getting ready to sell your apartment complex for millions and millions of dollars. So what do you do? You call in an insurance claim on all the roofs. You know why? Guess why, everybody? So then you can sell them for more because then you've got brand new roofs on all your apartments. Well, when was the law state? Oh, I don't know. I just need new roofs on all my apartments. Mm-hmm. That's a freaking scam. That's a freaking scam right there. Let me continue because I'm not even freaking close to being finished. Here's what they don't know. Here's what the guy on freaking Twitter doesn't know. Here's what every one of these dumbass apartment investors that I have to deal with doesn't know. For every $1 of premium, $1, every blue blood insurance carrier in America that writes habitational has to keep $4 in reserve, right? Half of that's going to reserves. Half of that's going to reinsurance for every $1 of premium. Yeah, but I'm paying, I'm paying $200,000 a year on my apartment for my apartment down in Biloxi, Mississippi. Guess what? First time a category four hurricane rolls through Biloxi. Does, do they even have any idea what the payout on something like that's going to be? Now take hundreds of thousands of apartments all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. Insurance to value, $30,000 policy, you got 15 or 20 buildings, something happens to two or three of them, the claim payouts, $1.7, $2.5, million. But yet we're a scam. We're a scam. Let me continue because God forbid I say something that's not true. This is one carrier in a 200-mile radius of me right now. For the, for the last 30 days, Bradley, hold on to your seat because I want you to listen to this. One carrier, blue blood carrier, the last 30 to 40, we'll say 30 to 45 days. I'm just going to give everybody a little Whitman sampler here, all right? Dairy Queen, Mississippi, total fire loss. That's in the last 45 days. I don't think I'm even close to finish. You insure a Dairy Queen? No, not me. These are oh. other agents. Oh, this is just this is just a Whitman sampler. Of what, you did your homework. What's been going on the last forty-five days? Dairy Queen, Mississippi, total fire loss last forty-five days. Apartment building, Mississippi, total fire loss last forty-five days. Fourplex, Madison, Alabama, two weeks ago. Oh, and as the bonus, besides it being a total fire loss, had a fatality in it. Ooh, mm, boy, that's fun. 
Auto Service Warehouse in Central Alabama. Huge total fire loss last 45 days. Scott, fourplex, last week, same town as the other fourplex that went down. They dodged the bullet on that one, didn't they? Mm-hmm. That's in the last 45 days. Guys, it is mind-numbing to me. Let, let me give everybody a ref, let's, let's just throw out a refreshing idea for just a second. How's about you people don't file a freaking claim every 15 minutes and maybe you won't be paying what you're paying because everything I'm talking about right now, Bradley's property, mm-hmm. property, it's all property. Yeah. There's some, there's some GL stuff. There's, there's some, uh, slip and fall. We had a call about, I guess it was two weeks ago about this million dollar discrimination lawsuit. Somebody comes in, wants an apartment. Sorry, can't give you an apartment. You don't meet our guidelines. Goes mm. to an attorney, files a million-dollar discrimination. You're going to start seeing more and more of that, too. Yep, yep, yep. So that's kind of where we are right now. Here's the other little, little tidbit that nobody's thinking about out there, the general public. Social inflation, litigation costs. That's the big one. Material and labor shortage, supply chain shortage. Mm-hmm. We now have a, a 25% increase across the board on all of that, right? I wonder how many attorneys reached out to that guy that tweeted that in the last 24 hours. So I'll leave you with this. This is where we are. I had an apartment investor email me last week that he was going to report us to the Alabama Department of Insurance. Ooh. You know why? Because we would not reduce our commissions on a, <laughs> a policy. So you wouldn't do that illegal thing? so i call him i think i sent you the phone call i lit his ass up you took that guy to church i remember that you know why you know why i lit him up because i pulled his loss runs yeah since 2018 we had paid out seven hundred and sixty five thousand dollars in claims for him and i told him on the phone if you will go take your business somewhere else I will, first thing I'll do, go buy a bottle of champagne, pop that. (laughs) Then I'm going to have a freaking pool party at my house. Then here comes the uh, cherry on top of the ice cream sundae. When I go ahead and and, and shut the corn down for him, he comes back at me and he goes, Scott, you know, I I appreciate you calling me today. But before we get off the phone. Hang on. You forgot one part. I'm about about to tell it. Okay. Okay. Oh, wait. Wait. You told him that you also estimated, like Scott, like like it, he wasn't. You weren't fiery. I want to make no. it clear to listeners. You were very. I mean, it was like it was one of the best. Back down. Uh, I want to say uh, deconstructions of an objection I've ever heard. And then you told him estimated how much his claims have cost you in contingency bonuses, which is where oh. you really make your money. Yeah. I and see. then you dropped what you're about to drop. Or then then. You you tell and he and he took it well. He did. So now continue. Sorry, I just wanted to frame that up real quick. So as I think we're about to get off the phone call, because I just <laughs> body, I've just body slammed him and he has nothing left to say. He says, "Oh, by the way, just one little small question I have for you. Sure, thought we'd covered all the ground we needed to cover today, but please." Ask me another question. He says, um, I wanted to ask you something because I'm a little worried 
we may have another claim hanging out there that <laughs> I have not filed yet. And I just wanted to kind of talk through it with you. And you could hear it in his voice, how like bad he didn't want to tell you this. Correct. And I said, hmm, okay, tell me what happened. Well, I had a tenant in one of the apartments that you have insured in Huntsville, Alabama. And this weekend, oh, by the way, Scott, you might have seen it on the news. Her boyfriend poured gasoline on her and set her on fire. And the apartment burned. And I think I've got about $50,000 of damage. When I tell you on this call, Scott Howell was speechless for about three seconds. Are you are you kidding me? Am I on punk right now with Ashton Kutcher? Is Rob Deerdick about to come out and be like, hey, dude, you're on, you're on ridiculousness <laughs> you right now. You, you, didn't insured, get on stage. you insured the Nelk boys. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that there are people on TikTok every single day. I've seen about three or four of them talking about how insurance is a scam. Have you seen some of these? Yeah. Some real yeah. estate lady got on there mad because State Farm had canceled her insurance after they had about three or four accidents in one during yeah. one term. And look, can I can I say something? Please, I'm done. I, okay. I'm off I wanted to make box. sure. I was going to let you get it all out. Nobody is denying that insurance companies do stupid things. In fact, we tell our clients often, insurance companies do stupid stuff. That's why we exist. That right, Scott? That's why you hire 100%. us. I'm the, and, I'm the goalie. I'm the goalie and, when they do. And, but, and, and, by the, and by the way, I tell my clients all the time, you don't feel like you're getting a free shake. I got three or four yeah. attorneys right here on my phone. I can give you, you can go meet with them. Yeah. And, Have at it. and insurance companies just don't not pay claims. No. Like and there tends to be a, a little bit of a narrative from our friends on the captive side of the industry of like, oh, such and such carrier doesn't pay claims. Well, no, there's no insurance company that just doesn't pay claims. That's not true. Now, there may be carriers that have exclusions, right? There may be customers that do things that create a vacuum where in this vacuum, this claim is not going to get paid, which is what it sounded like with mm -hmm. the guy on Twitter. Right. Because the scenario he played out in one of the, like, it didn't even make sense to me. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. Insureds have duties. Correct. Your duty as an insured is to correctly, accurately, to the best of your ability, represent the risk that you're insuring. Yep. It's also your duty to report things that happen during the lifetime of the policy to the best of your ability and your knowledge that could potentially cause a claim or cause some sort of change to the policy. Okay. And it's good to err on the side of caution with that. It's also your duty. This, this one's overlooked a lot. It's also your duty to the best of your ability when there is a claim to do your best to prevent further damage to whatever is damaged. We see this a lot down here in hurricane land where people have a loss and they don't do anything to prevent further damage from happening. Now, if you don't have the ability, that's fine. And then that causes more damage. And then that piece of the claim maybe doesn't get paid and they're pissed off about that. But pretty much, you know, 95% of the time, if a claim is not paid, like for the young man on Twitter, somebody did something wrong in that process somewhere. Right. You know, I'm a champion for agents. 
right? I get in a lot of arguments on Twitter. Got in one last week in the agency Zoom group. I felt like a jerk when I got done because I went a little bit too hard into the paint. Not really, but like I, I went too hard because I feel like I'm a defender of the agent's position of the Pied Piper, whatever you want to call it, right? And my wife will ask, like, why are you getting so like involved and in whatever? And I'm like, because I feel like none of the agents have a voice like Scott and I have. And therefore, we have to use this platform to defend them to the best we can. I feel like it's our duty, right? But, and the guy was very complimentary of his agent, but I kind of feel like there could have been an agent dropping the ball somewhere, somewhere. That was the vibe I was getting and or that client withholding some information. When you withhold it, like almost every single time I've had a client pissed off that a claim's not paid, it's because of something somebody's done along the way that caused the situation. You know what I'm saying? It could have been buying the cheap policy, right? And you're trying to, to avoid paying a lot in premium. Well, guess what? Now you're going to have exclusions on your policy. You're going to have things that potentially aren't covered and that sort of thing. And that is an epidemic in that world. Yes. Here's what I tell people all the time. I told an investor sitting right here across from my desk, big old boy, by the way, flew down here from California. He got, he and I get into this air quotes conversation. I said, Oh, I know what you want. You want what every other investor wants. He said, what's that? I said, the cheapest possible policy you can possibly get when you buy the property. Mm-hmm. And then when you have a claim, the most you can possibly get in the history of the free world when right. it comes time to get file a claim. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not pointing the finger at that agent because I agree with everything you're saying. I just, just reading the tea leaves on that post, I was like, well, he's, he's saying his agent didn't do anything wrong, but if there was a situation where something was laying out there, what covered what, you know what I mean? And, and I agree with you, Pe- you know, people want the cheapest policy. It's going to pay the most. And the world just doesn't work that way. Furthermore, when you're talking about <laughs> my favorite part about the whole post was a small $100,000 claim, small $100,000 claim. Well, and real estate investors like that, like big shots. So it's not a lot of money. It's $100,000. Right. right. Alpha males. The, you know, insurance companies getting ready to pay out a hundred thousand dollars. They're going to do their due diligence. Sure. It's not going to go fast. Can, Can I, can I interrupt you real quick? Sure. I want to make sure I make this point. You said five minutes ago when you started, the insured has duties. They have duties. My my father, my dad, has only been a trial lawyer suing insurance companies for 37 years. Only 37 years. Okay. That's all he's been doing. Yeah, 37 years. Not real experienced in it. When I got into insurance, he pulled me aside and he sat me down. He said, Scott, I want you to remember something. And I don't want you to ever forget it as, as an insurance agent. An insurance carrier will never... Not never, ever, 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 never, never, ever pay out more than they are contractually obligated to pay out. Second point, second point, you said the insured has duties. The insurance carrier has a duty to pay claims. Here's why, everybody, write this shit down. The insurance contract is a unilateral contract, and it has been seen time after time after time after time that a court of law with jurors sitting in a box are normally 
most often going to side with the insured. Mm -hmm. So it behooves the insurance carrier to write the check. Yeah. Because by the time they go to court, I just, I was with a freaking vice president of legal for a pretty damn big carrier for two days last week. And he was saying, Scott, we don't want to go to court. Mm -hmm. It cost us so much more money to have to have our lawyers and outside counsel. And, and now, you know, and, and then if we lose, we got to pay. They don't want to do that. Right. But they are not, they are not just going to sit there and freaking write checks willy nilly mm -hmm. and start throwing them at you to get, make it go away either. And they are not going to pay more than they're contractually obligated to pay. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Bradley, go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Well, it's just in any situation, everybody defaults to the big, bad insurance company. Yep. Doesn't matter. You know, I had a client a couple of years ago that had a hurricane Sally claim. Uh, they changed contractors three times, not a big claim, probably a roof and a little bit of water damage, nothing super crazy. Right. right. They changed contractors three times. Yep. And I know why they changed contractors three times, because the client who I've known for a very long time is, is pretty flaky. Changed contractors three times. The claim a year later was still rocking on. Okay. Fair to say it's because you changed contractors three times. Right. Right. Uh, that particular carrier was still financially strong, but they decided they didn't want to be a part of Alabama anymore. So they non-renewed everybody. They didn't flight cancel. They didn't go and solve non-renewed everybody. And they went back to California. So they're non-renewing this customer. She still got open claim. And you guys that are listening to this that are in middle America know how hard it is to place somebody with an open claim. Try doing that in hurricane land. Not to mention this house was close to the water in an area of town. that's very hard to insure under normal circumstances. So I go to bat for them and convince this carrier to give them 30 more days. The, the, the work is almost maybe 80% complete. Give them 30 right. more days to get it done. Right. right. So they, they had this particular carrier after that carrier was supposed to, you know, they agreed, okay, we'll extend it 30 more days. Swaps contractors again. Okay. You, we get to the end of 30 days. They're like, Hey, we offered 30 days. It was almost done. We're not, we're not doing this. So I find them an ENS policy that is uh, more expensive, but it'll cover them until everything's done. 25% earned premium, but that actually buys her a little more time to get, you know what I mean? And I present the quote to the, the client and she says, well, I'll just go without insurance on a recorded line or something to that effect. Well, a year later rocks on, she finds out she didn't have insurance or wasn't a claim or anything. Guess whose fault that is? It's my fault. Right. It's my fault. And it's the big bad insurance company. Like, no, it's not you swapping contractors four times, you know, doing sure. God knows what, not fixing the house right, you know, trying to get more money out of the adjuster, which I got them. And, right. and oh, it's so it's not, it's my fault. And actually, they said I was so I was on paternity leave when this happened. It was, this was the only really bad situation I had to deal with because she was so mad. And I was listening in on Whisper. We have Whisper on Lightspeed uh -huh. where, where I, can, I can hear what the, the person on the line saying and my employee can hear, but the client can't hear what I'm saying. Right. And so I was listening in. And she, <laughs> if he wasn't doing so many damn podcasts, this claim would... I'm like, 
if you would have not swapped contractors for so sorry for the long story, but I say all that to say it's always, no matter what, it's always the big bad insurance company's fault. And if you were to post that situation on Facebook, that that's what the public's going to say too. Right. It's the big bad insurance company's fault. Always. It's not, you know, so, but the insureds have duties and somewhere along the way there was a breakdown and Chris Paradiso gave me the best advice one time. Speaking of Chris, uh, it was the day we were at his office and he had to deal with the claim. And he looked at me and he said, sometimes it benefits you, even if you know the client is wrong, as long as the client's still kind of in your corner, you know what I mean? And Chris's agency does a really good job when a claim is filed of delineating between, hey, carrier, agency, right? right. There's a difference. And he said, sometimes it benefits you to get on a three-way call with the adjuster and argue the client's point, even if you know it's wrong, maybe being a little over the top, just so that client knows that you're in their corner. I do it all the time. It's a great, and this guy on Twitter, if I'm his agent, that's what I'm doing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Not to break that down too much, but yeah, it's just, there, there's no situation where a claim's just not paid. I mean, maybe 1% of the time that happens and it's, oh, we screwed up here. You know, there's some companies that are using these, they're like desk, desk adjusters, but they're really not adjusters. And there's a artificial intelligence on the screen that's literally telling them what to pay. And sometimes that'll possibly glitch out. I know of one lady here locally that had a total loss house fire and the insurance company was only going to pay her $40,000 because that's what the computer said, but they eventually got it worked out. You know what I mean? It, it happens, right? But generally speaking, if you have a situation like this where a customer's mad, because something's not paid, there's a breakdown somewhere in the process. Now, I'm not, and that that doesn't include situations where the customer thinks eighty thousand should be paid and it's only sixty, mm-hmm. right? In those situations, hey, show the adjuster why it should be eighty. Mm-hmm. Explain it to us. Show us, right? I, I I tell you one of the big breakdowns I've seen since I went from captive to independent, and I've been saying this for years, and people will try to argue with me, but. It's hard to argue with somebody that's in the arena doing it every single day, every single day. When we went from having auto adjusters mm-hmm. buzz, buzzing around town in their wrapped cars right, and property adjusters that were local that showed up at your Mama and Papa's house or the family's house, and they were kind of a Scott Howell guy. And they, they gave off that aura of, I'm here to help. I want to do the right thing. And I want to help you. When we went from that and we switched gears as an industry and went with air quotes, desk adjusters in Ohio, North Carolina, New Jersey, wherever yeah. they're at, mm-hmm. the wheels fell off. Yeah. Because Mr. and Miss Johnson that have a fire claim or a water damage claim and they're in uh pine Ridge, Alabama. Yeah. First of all, some bitches probably don't even have an email. <laughs> I, I know in more urban areas, that's, that's not a problem. Second right. of all, a lot of people in places like Alabama want someone to show up at their house and explain things to them and sit down with them, take an hour with them to, to talk about, okay, here's how this process is going to work. Well, now we're not doing that anymore. Right. Now we're on a phone call with somebody in Ohio, probably working from their house with a German shepherd barking in the back background of the phone. 
and it's just clunky. Yeah. Well, and, get and off unfortunately, the phone, they still don't understand. Well, what's the first thing they do? Call Scott. Yeah, exactly. I just got a phone with this adjuster up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I don't even know what they were talking about, but I know I got water all over my floor. And, and you know, unfortunately, I don't think it's going back. I feel like the insurance companies no. are saving so money on the bottom line. Now right. we both know it's probably in the long run hurting them because they're going to lose business over it. Right. But I don't think it, I think because they're saving money on paper, I don't think it's going to go back the other way. And and then the other problem you got is if you're working with an independent adjuster from say pilot or some, one of these big independent, mm-hmm. you know, places that are working claims for a blue blood carrier in some cases, or even an ENS type market. Sometimes they don't know the contract. Exactly. And maybe this contract says something different than the last claim they worked that was just like this. And they deny the claim or they don't pay out as much. And you're like going through the contract going, wait a minute. Now I know they have to report to, you know, that, that independent adjuster has to send something to somebody with that carrier that represents the carrier. But I have seen two or three times where a claim either was denied or did not get paid out nearly what it was supposed to be paid out. And then once I started working with more of that, that carrier rep that represented the, that particular carrier, they were like, huh, that is interesting. Let me look at these pictures again. We kind of go through that process and they go, yeah, he missed about $12,000 on this. This should have been paid. I can mm-hmm. see it right here in the pictures. Or I can, I can see where that should have been paid. And, and I guess he just didn't know the contract well enough to know that we pay for that. And that's really not what I'm talking about because oh, those know, situations can get worked out. Right. I mean, those situations can get worked out, but it's like, and it's like the, everything that's going on in Florida right now, it's the, the attorneys and the roofers that are causing all the issues. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the problem. I mean, I think 76% of the litigation in the United States of America is in Florida. Right. Tell me the attorneys are not the problem, right? right. And the roofers, you know, we tell, we tell clients all the time because Florida has assignment of benefits where you are essentially assigning that claim to the roofer. And the problem is, and we have that some in Alabama, uh, not a lot, but but you see it some. I think Alabama's DOI is a little bit better protecting some of the insurance companies in that regard. But Florida has this culture now of no roofer is going to take you if you don't sign an assignment of benefit. So it's a bad situation to be in. We tell our clients here, hey, look, if you sign an assignment of benefits, all you are doing is guaranteeing that the contractor is going to make the most amount of money. Mm-hmm. That's it. Your claim's not going to be handled faster. Right. You're not going to get paid out more. Your roof's not going to get put on faster, generally speaking. So don't sign them. But that's the problem so in, in Florida. In- and the problem is you put this out there. Everybody wants to hate on demo tech or the insurance companies or whatever. It's the freaking it's the freaking attorneys. And guess what? Almost every politician in the state of Florida, guess right. what they are by trade? Lawyer. Attorneys. So y- you got to look at what the actual problem is. Guess who the only two groups in the state of Alabama by law that do not have to sign a non-compete agreement and non-compete agreements are null and void lawyers and doctors because lawyers control the state. Correct. Same reason you don't have independent adjusters in Alabama. Not that I'm an independent adjuster fan, but it's the same reason you don't, you, you don't, you're talking, you about, you're talking about private, you talk about adjuster, yeah, pu- private I'm adjuster, sorry, pu- uh, public, public, public adjusters, adjusters. Public yeah, adjusters. that doesn't exist in Alabama because the attorneys like making all the money, right? 
you can hire one if you hire them through an attorney and the attorney hires them. So I'll leave you with this. Here's another question I had for today. I feel like this is Bradley and Scott getting all this stuff off their chest. Uh, it is. Like. And I hope there's a bunch of agents out there just sitting there going, oh, thank God. Yes. Hey, guys, yes. One City yes. World Tour is still open, by the way. We left it open. Go in the show notes. This is the last freaking week I'm leaving it open for you guys. We're selling a bunch of tickets, but I want to give all the loyal listeners as much chance to anyway, continue, Scott. Here's one here's one other thing I don't understand about human beings. And I need to get clarity on this. So I need to talk to some people about this. In the last couple of months, three or four months, I've seen very well educated, scary, smart, extremely successful people get beyond pissed off when they have two, three claims, auto claims happen within their family during the term of their insurance policy and they get canceled. Mm -hmm. Now the carrier is paying out three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars but it boggles my mind how a human being can get so mad about a carrier dropping them from their insurance policy. Remember, these are smart people. Carriers paid out three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, and they say, "Hey, sorry, we can't insure you anymore." And these people just get freaking livid. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, do you understand that? Like this math doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like I don't understand why they get so mad. I'm like, of course you're going to get canceled. I was telling you a story the other day about Clint Nor's uncle, one of the most successful guys I know, super good dude. Clint's on the phone with him. He had been with State Farm for like 15 years and transferred and went to another carrier. Damn good carrier, by the way. National brand, big carrier. He and his son have three claims in a six-month period. And nothing had happened yet, but they paid out over $300,000. Med pay, all all this stuff, damaged vehicles, all this crazy stuff. And Clint's on the phone with him the other day, and he goes, oh, yeah, you're getting canceled after this. After this third one. And he's mad at Clint, right? Dude, it's freaking living. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you getting mad about, dude? That's just how, I mean, that's how the, the game's played. Right. You can't have three or four claims in a six-month or year-long period and an insurance carrier pay out hundreds of thousands of dollars in claims and expect not to get canceled. That's going to happen. I don't understand their their mindset. And I guess it's just that whole basically getting fired. Because as a client, you're getting fired from that carrier. They're saying, we had one last week that we told to go get it. We, we were well, super nice about it. Mm-hmm. But we were like, hey, we just can't insure you anymore, brother. You're going to have to go get it somewhere else. It's an uneasy feeling, I think, is what it is. It's that unsettling, kind of like when you're, if your wife texts you at 8 a.m. and says, hey, we need to talk when you get home. Right. No, I don't want to talk to you now. We need to talk when you get home. Oh, kind of unsettling. <laughs> yeah, everybody's blood pressure just went up a little bit. Right. It's it's kind of that unsettling, I believe, because we dealt with it with a carrier that uh, we've had a couple do this that are pulling out of the state and they're non-renewing people. But what they do, here's a little trick with the carriers, is there's, when there's one carrier is doing this right now, they're sending people non-renewal notices for like a November renewal. They're sending it in like June. Mm. And they're saying, hey, we're non-renewing you in November. But the Correct. reason they're doing that is they want the customer to go ahead and leave. That way, they're not on the risk for hurricane season. That's that's the reason right. they're doing that. Right. So a few of the carriers have done that. And so RMO is like to call the client and basically say, hey, uh, and we kept a lot of our business is basically say, hey, look, your care is pulling out, but we got plenty of options. Uh, will we revisit this 60 days to renewal? 
and we found really fast, maybe maybe 30 days into it, that these people were still going ahead and leaving. They would agree with it, and then they'd go get another quote somewhere else and leave. And yeah. so what we figured out is that they were they were not only unsettled, but they're also being targeted by other agencies because they knew, somehow figured out they had that carrier, and they were going ahead and leaving. You know, I wanted to wait till renewal because sure, sure. I don't want to take a charge back and have to pay somebody to to rewrite right. it because let's face it, rewrites, reshops, remarkets, whatever you want to call it, it costs the agency money. Absolutely. So what we ended up having to do is we just had to bite the bullet and go ahead and and offer them a remarket immediately because we were losing them because they were just uh, so I think it's an unsettled feeling and and it's not true but I think insureds feel like if there's a non-renewal pending and they have a claim that that claim's not going to be paid or not going to be handled the right way because we deal with that too I mean I've moved people that have open claims before from their carrier and they think that that's somehow like that adjuster does not care that adjuster that maybe maybe not even know that you're going to be non-renewed or you left or whatever. Like they're still contractually and legally obligated to pay that claim as if you were there. Right. Um, so I think it's just, there's, there's a, a myriad of things going on that just make them just really unsettled, but I get it. I get it. But at the same time, you have to look at it in a business sense. But then again, insurance companies do stupid stuff too. I mean, you'll have a guy that pays his premiums on time or, or a lady that pays her premiums on time every single month that's paid a hundred thousand dollars and then have a $20,000 loss and gets canceled. And you look at it like this doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? So I get it. I'm going to tell you two things that insurance agents from across the world have going against them, specifically in America, two things we got going against us that I wish could change. Number one is every three seconds. When you turn on a television set, you have an attorney on television for a 30 second ad and they just run one right after another, after another, mm -hmm. after another, after another, after another, after another, especially during the day, like daytime TV and then late night, but, but also, you know, during prime time with this, uh, this message, don't trust your insurance carrier, call us, your insurance carrier is going to screw you. We mm -hmm. can help. You got to call us. It's this constant drumbeat. And I'm, I, maybe there's some states that don't allow that. But in Alabama, anyway, and I know other states because I watch TV in hotel rooms everywhere I go, and I see the exact same thing. It's mm -hmm. just a different state with a different lawyer. Well, what cracks me up, too, is these attorneys that get on TV and are like, we hate insurance companies, insurance. And you talk to them, and I've talked to a lot of those guys. Like, they love insurance companies. Like they try to make sure they have as great of a relationship as they possibly can with agents and adjusters. Right. It's like the exact opposite of what the public thinks. Right. The other thing we've got going against us, Bradley, and this one's really hurting. Well, they both are. They're really hurting. Four billion robocalls a month. Good gosh. Four billion robocalls a month. So what happens as an agent, when you pick up the phone to, to truly try to help somebody save some money on their insurance, gain a new client, well, after they've gotten their 17th spam call of the day and you call at two o'clock in the afternoon, good luck mm -hmm. because they're done. They, they don't want to talk to you. You're just another robocall, you know, person that's trying to beat them out of some money or whatever. And I think that is significantly hurting us as agents where in the old days, when I started, you know, you could pick up a phone and call somebody and they'd probably talk to you on the phone. 
I'll tell you another thing I find to be odd. When I started with State Farm in 2008, I remember. It's a great year to start in the industry. Man, I'm telling you, just knocking the bottom out of it. When I started in 2008, nobody, very rarely did anybody want to give me their social security number. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Hey, I'm not giving you my social security number. That's not happening. Very rarely do we get that anymore. Yeah. People, people seem to be a lot more open to just, yeah. You know, okay. Well, you also have less carriers that need it too. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely correct. People are able to, they're able to pull what they need from prior address and prior address, uh, date of birth, that sort of thing. I feel like this podcast was more of a therapy session than it was a podcast. I today. feel like you got a lot off your chest. I do feel better. I do feel better. And I think the moral of this podcast is I need to, to just delete Twitter on my phone is probably what I need to do. Dude, I've gotten myself in trouble before. Not in trouble, but I've gotten looking at Twitter too early, man. I love Twitter. Love Twitter. But looking at it too early in the morning or in the middle of the night or right before bed, man, you can get you can get and I'm desensitized to a lot of stuff, but man, you can get fired up about some stuff and we didn't even you. we didn't even get into Geico pulling the brakes on all their you know what's funny about that? They they pulled out of California for all their offices, right? Correct. Not only that, they also shut down quoting in a bunch of states. Yeah. Not just that's that was the point I was trying to make to that guy. I was like, yeah, you're right. California, they have pulled the parking brake up all the way on California. Yeah. But they're also it wasn't just California. It was a ton of states that they mm-hmm. stopped accepting their call centers stopped. Right. The quoting processes in a bunch of Very states, heavily litigious states and catastrophic yeah. states. And, and, and so, and so what they're doing, Bradley, just so our podcast listeners will know is for the first time, maybe ever since April of 2022, progressive is out quoting them mm-hmm. because they're not, they're not allowing people to, I don't know what happens if you call Geico right now to get a quote, they, I don't know if the phone just goes, sorry, we're not available for business or whatever. You want to know how Geico can can improve their bottom line and well, what, become you, you want to know how they can become an even more of a monster than they already are. How's that? Start appointing independent agents. Oh, a hundred percent, but they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. But if they did that, yeah, they would get so much good business. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying we would get a contract with them. There's a lot of people, you know, uh, loyalties and disloyalties run deep, but they would get a lot of good business. What much, much better than what they're getting via the call center. Right. And that would just blow this wide open. Well, I what think. they're, what they're doing right now is they're getting they're It's a smart play. You know, they're getting their arms wrapped around everything that's going on in California. And then all the necessary mm-hmm. rate increases that they need to take. Yeah. And then they're going to turn the light switch back on. Right. And start quoting again. But my point and what I said on there about you know, back to that guy was, I'm thinking to myself, hell, what, what would happen if I had to come in here and get everybody on a zoom staff call and be like, Hey guys, for the next three months, we're not quoting anymore. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that's not good. No, that's not, not good, but I will admit he was right. They're, they're making the right move because what they're going to end up doing, they'll turn the light switch back on and all those call centers and things that are, you know, going to be taking inbound calls. Those rates are going to be different. They're going Mm -hmm. to be higher. They're going to be correct. And I figure the only reason you would take such drastic action is somebody somewhere figured out, oh, 
shit, we're about to lose a bunch of damn money. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, right. What's funny that about that is, is we went pretty hard at the direct to consumers on that podcast with Mick Hunt two weeks yeah. ago or last week. And immediately when we got off that, that's when that dropped and Mick sent it to me and he said, man, I guess, uh, the insurance guys podcast has a far reach or, or we jinxed them or something, something to that effect. No, no kind of yeah, exactly. But, Bradley, I appreciate you being on here. Let me have a therapy session today. Yeah, man. I could have just zoom called my next therapy session with my therapist and just called that the insurance guys podcast for the week. That's right. That's right. Somebody so, should do that. Somebody should do a podcast where they're doing therapy but recording it and putting it out as a podcast. Oh, that'd be fantastic. If a therapist would do that, could you imagine the business they would get? Oh, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. As I end every podcast, guys, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world, build relationships, do what's best for your client. I do it every single day. I, I, there's never a time I don't think about how would I handle this if this was my mom or daddy? This was yeah. my sister. This was my sister on this claim. How would I handle this? What would I do? How far would I go? Never a day I don't think about that. And that's what you need to do. You need to go out and try to do what's best for your clients. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your kids' college fund, for your parents out there that are struggling. Go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. We love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. And we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.